Good day. I'm uh, Chris Frosted, the president and CEO of PurePoint Uranium Group, Inc. We're an exploration company uh, looking for uranium in northern Saskatchewan. And I'm here today to talk to Matt to shamelessly promote uh, the, the all the uh, great results we see coming out of our, our current drill program. Chris, talk CPS to me. That, you know, <laughs> that, that, there's a phrase I never thought I'd, I'd use. I mean, well, it's a, I sort of joke, but, you know, some people like percentages, some people like CPS. CPS seems to be in vogue at the moment, and you're putting out headlines with CPS. Indicative of what? For those, the great, the uninitiated and, and others. Well, count, you know, counts per second is what we're talking about. And when one is using a, a scintillometer or a Geiger counter, um, what what you're picking up are the vibrations in a in a crystal that's in that in that uh, piece of equipment, and um, and so you know anything over a few hundred is means you've got radiation coming off of that hunk of rock. Typically, historically, you know it's it's been used primarily when you're looking at core and logging core to determine where what what pieces of rock you need to go off and get assayed. Um, more recently, though, it's been used to indicate that we think we've got something hot in the box here, and uh, and we hope there's more to come. So um, it's it's uh, you know it it is it's a it's not a nothing indication. It's not voodoo. It's 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 real. It's not a it's not a percentage. It's not a grade. Um, and and because crystals change from machine to machine, it's not even consistent uh, from from the unit you're using. But but it is a good indication, and and we've been hitting you know tens of thousands of counts per second in uh, the core that we've been pulling out at our Red Willow project, and uh, you know we 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 assume that that's indicative of of lots more to come, but we'll see what the drill tells us. Okay, again, there's a lot of new people coming into this uh, industry from from technology, and they're not quite sure of the terminology. And quite frankly, I've only just picking this up myself with regards to the, the CPS component. It's come quite fashionable in the last uh, year or so to to talk about it. So um, give us, your average um, count was like just under 6,000 uh, counts per second. What's that mean? Where does that kind of put this in well, let me put compared to your background. peers? Yeah. Background counts per second. I could that I could pick up off of a building is is you know, something in around less than a hundred counts per second, right? So we, you're also dealing with with background counts per second, and I also know that that uranium in the basin is is very very pod like. Therefore, you can get very close to it and not see it at all. So when you start picking up uh, counts per second, or you start picking up mineralization and uranium of any kind. Uh, you really need to go after it and and follow up on it and see where it leads. In many cases, it leads not to much, but in many cases, that's that's the first sign of of you're coming into something big. So um, it's it's not to be diminished. It's also not necessarily to be heralded as as a resource, um, but it's but it is a very important indication because most drill programs, most drill holes, come up with nothing. You don't hear about them. No, not so much. Um, okay, so let's kind of go with the with the um, the release that you put out. Okay, so you're talking about the beginning of the 2022 season. You're focusing on um, Red Willow. Um, you've you've given some numbers out. I mean, would you put those down as like there's there's a good set of data, initial data, but there's more to be done? Um, and how, how are you framing that for your shareholders? Yeah, I mean, can I show you a slide? Sure, share away. You know. Because it's what I do. I mean, this is just, again, these are our projects across the basin. We're right now working over here. If you can see my cursor at Red Willow. Yep. 
which is on this mine trend. But you know, in the last year, and I mentioned this before, I mean, this is this is actually the sixth drill program we've had in the last year, as we've been really re kind of re revisiting uh, uh, a lot of these projects. Some of them we've never drilled before. Some of them needed to be drilled. Some of them need to be followed up on. So um, you know, and we've we after Hook Lake a year ago for. Uh, now uh, we've since drilled two different uh, had two different programs at Red Willow. Um, we've had uh, one up here north at Umpherville, uh, one up here at, uh, at, at Henday. And you know I've always we've said all along these are advanced projects. These are projects that, you know we're following up on on uh, on real results. And I think in all of these cases we've been able to um, you know identify uranium in in our core. And, um, and, and start to reprioritize these things. And now a lot of the priorities of last year, uh, unfortunately, had to do with where we had permits, but, but nonetheless, it was work that needed to be done. What we're, where we are now up here at Red Willow is we're looking at a, an area called the Osprey Zone. I'm just going to advance us here. So what, what this line is you see come running up here is the graphitic conductor, which is our primary target. And our initial drilling is down here at this at this bend, if you will, and this is where we were picking up our uh, started picking up high levels of mineralization uh, along this along this structure, and we're starting now to move up to see where where it opens up. Hopefully, where it opens up into into something significantly larger. Um, this this area between this southernmost drill hole and where we are uh, at the point of uh, uh, our release is about you know, 325 meters. So these aren't small step outs. And we've got about two kilometers of target to keep, keep looking at as we head to the north. So <clears throat> now that we're coming into this uranium, now that we're coming into this mineralization and it, it's narrow, flat lying, and we're following it along and we understand the, the geology, we see that it, it is very reminiscent of what we saw as we were moving into Spitfire, uh, as, as we started to get into there. And, and we're looking for that structure as we move along here, that that represents that area of deposition where where it would have made sense to uh, uh, to see a, a much larger uh, deposit. Is that say is that typical? Because they're not very big widths, right? You're talking half meter to well one one and a half meters, which doesn't seem like a lot. It's a kind of like a, like a shear. Is that typical of that part of the um, the the basin? Right. So you're yes. I mean, this is where this is where um, uranium has come out of mobilization. I mean, you, you're looking at something that that at some point, bazillions of years ago, um, was mobilized because of a lot of heat, a lot of um, and a lot of oxygen. And when the oxygen comes out of it, that's when you start to see it depositing. It's like a trail. We, you know, it's it's a trail of uranium that we're following. Hopefully, you know, to see where 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 the beast sits. But uh, uh, you know that that's what we're into. And we do see, interestingly enough. That all of this, and we saw this in the in the on the western side of the basin too, is all happening about 50 meters into the basement rock. And that is the point at which the oxygen comes out of it completely. So it's it's there and then and then below that we're starting to see the the bigger uh, you know the bigger finds of uranium. Right, and you, you've you've talked about um, seven holes drilled, quite actually quite shallow drilling um, at, at that. You were nearly just under thirteen um, hundred meters drilled. Um, is that again typical of what you're going to be doing? So these these, these shallower, cheaper yeah. drill bits. Because I noticed you didn't raise much money. You raised about one point four million bucks, you know, back in December, right? So which it, which is it, your it, style? It seems to be your style of raising. Just raise enough to keep you going. Yes. 
it's it's typical of this area. This this project sits right on the edge of the basin. Half of it's in, half of it's out. And as I've said before, you know, the, the basin is a bowl in the Canadian Shield that's full of sandstone. So around the edge, you're much shallower. So this is very shallow. And actually, now that we've got going and got a pace going, um, you know, we're, we're drilling holes every few, it's taking days, not weeks uh, to drill a hole. And because it's uranium we're looking for, you know, we, we are literally planning the next hole, you know, after we've seen the one we're in the middle of. Uh, it's, it's that kind of a thing. So it's, it's, a, it's a work in progress constantly. But, but what are you working to? Because let's like, come back to the money. Okay, 1.4 million bucks. And you, 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 did, you, did, you raised money twice last year? Yeah. Right. Okay. It's small amounts each time just to kind of get you moving through it. In fact, I've got a question for you in a, in a minute about sure. why that. But these are, you're going along this mineralization. You're chasing these grades, these CPSs. Um, to, to, to what end? You're trying to find the, the, the kind of the so payload, as it were. As this uranium is moving, right? There, there's a mineralization event occurring here. Uranium has been mobilized and it's moving through the area and it's leaving a trail, if you will. What you're looking for is that structure in the basement rock where it would have come together and, and, and come more out of oxygenation, right? And, 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 uh, and, and found. So, so if you look at other deposits like, um, you know, like a MacArthur, which is sitting at a, at a thrust fault in the basement rock and it's got that home that it can deposit in. Or if you look at, at next gen's at um, uh, aero deposit, you can see that it's a big structure that goes deep. And that's why it goes much deeper than fissions, which is lying flat. And it was running along a structure that went in that direction. So you're, again, it's, it, it doesn't happen without structure, without a, a proper, you know, complex structure that allows this, this uranium to, to gather uh, in one, one particular place as, it, as it's moving. Right. So we know your but will what what is the budget for drilling? I mean, how many more meters will you be drilling, and what do you need that to show you before you go and raise more money? Oh well, we're we're we've got we've got money in the bank to last us the year if we need it. Um, the, oh yeah, the flow yeah that's easy. Spot. That's that's easy. If you just don't spend money, you got enough money for the year. But I'm I'm trying like what what would you actively want to try and achieve? Well, in this in this particular case, uh, we we want to get as much of this this area covered as possible. We're taking fat, rather large step outs to understand the area. Um, obviously, we're hoping for you know every drill hole. We're hoping to hit a deposit. That's what it's all about. Um, and uh, you know we we've we're just hoping the weather holds out to let us go as, as long as possible and and continuously. Uh, understand that that area and and find the find what we're looking for. See, I'm interested because we spoke with um, James Sykes of Baseload, and he he, he when he just drilled one hole, talking about you know really nice um, CPS data from that. He goes, "This is a discovery, one hole," which I, you know, it was difficult for me to understand that. Mm -hmm. How do you go about making this? What does it need to look like for you to say this is a discovery? So when your press release comes out, we can go. That makes sense. That's what they've been hunting. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it, it's and we've we've been drilling for a long time, and we have drilled into a lot of different aspects of mineralization. I mean, Spitfire is a good a good one where we actually ferreted out a deposit. But you don't know how big these things are going to be or how small these things are going to be until you're done you're done drilling them. No, but what does and it need so to look for, like for you, a discovery? You go there with an idea and say you don't know how big they are. Great, that's a nice problem to have. But what's what is too small? I these days. Yeah, 
Well, you know, I, I can say that the um, the majors have, who typically were looking for 100 million pounds have now upped the scale to 150. So as far as they're concerned, if it ain't 150 million pounds, you know, good luck. And, you know, keeping in mind that, that a mill, you know, is going to cost you a billion dollars up there, um, unless you already have one in your pocket, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, good luck. Now, having said that, there are, there are new, there are new ways that we've, that have been developed recently uh, from the mining aspect up there. And, and we, Wheeler River at Denison's one of them in terms of the, the ISL, but there's others as well that have, that have been coming up that are going to make it much cheaper to drill, to mine. But, you know, what, what is big enough to, to actually call a mine? You know, I mean, Hathor's, Hathor's came in at less than 50 million pounds and it got sold to Rio Tinto and, and it's been mothballed. So, um, you know, it, it's, you know, it, it, realistically, you have to be looking at something between 50 and 100 million pounds minimum. Right. Okay. So, you, you, okay. And how many, this, 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 is the, this is what I need to try and understand with, with smaller companies, they're kind of capital, capital constrained. It restricts their ability to do as much drilling as they want to do. You I come back to this and maybe it's a nice time to ask you, why didn't you go and raise a ton more money? Why 1.42 million bucks? Well, again, again, we've talked about this before. In Canada, if you're exploring in Canada, we have access to what's known as flow-through, flow-through raises. And what that is, it's the government, it's the government's way of promoting um, exploration in Canada. Uh, because as an exploration company, we don't have revenues. Therefore, we've got all of these expenses that we can never write off, or not in the near term anyways. So what the government has said is, if you issue flow-through money to do exploration, then you can you can also you can renounce if you will those expenses to the investor. So if you buy a hundred dollars worth of my flow through shares, I can give you a tax receipt for a hundred dollar deduction, and and that encourages obviously it encourages investment and exploration and and keeps us all all going. And that's you know that's the easier money to raise, but it has to be spent. It's time limited, and that that's the challenge with flow through is you only essentially have a year maybe a little more than a year to actually spend that money. And if you don't spend it, the ramifications are, are crippling. <laughs> you, have, you have to give back the tax deduction somehow. Right, which would be a, a nice admin nightmare for you, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. So are you saying that, that's kind of an interesting thought really, isn't it? So you, you, you know, with, with people don't probably consider that component to it. So you, you, what, are the, what are the things that are restricting you from being able to, well, you know, do that exploration. You, you told me you've got like 10 or so advanced projects, you know, excluding Hook Lake and, um, Hook Lake and Smart Lake. Um, why couldn't you be spending money on those? Why can't you be advancing those further? There's a couple of factors that might slow you down, like COVID, <laughs> uh, but things that might slow you down that, that aren't, aren't anticipated. For instance, you know, permitting. So in Saskatchewan, we've, permitting has not been an issue for the most part, we always whine and cry, whine and cry about it. But but uh, in more more recent years, there has been a slowdown in permitting because of a number of factors. I won't get into. But you know where typically in in over the last five ten years, you've seen up maybe one hundred and twenty million dollars a year being spent in exploration in uranium. Um, in twenty twenty, it was it was about fifty million. Last year, it was only eighty eight million. And and you know, we, we're, we're pretty sure, I mean, the cause of that for the most part, it certainly wasn't the absence of money. It was, it was the inability to uh, get permits in time. 
It was the inability to find a driller in time or a crew or, or what have you. And that, that can slow you down. And, and if it does, like I say, then, then you've, you know, then, then you got a problem on your hands. But, but can't, well, I don't know whether it's a, it's a province thing or if it's a federal thing with regards to maybe exemptions, if you can't deploy it because of lack of the permits aren't being done in time um, sure. or, or things that are out of your control, like COVID. I mean, how do, how do those things get treated? Well, COVID was addressed specifically by the federal government. So, so when COVID did come around, one of the things they did do was extend the period of time we had to spend any money that we had raised or were in the middle of raising. Um, so instead of a year, we had an extra year. Um, in times when, um, and we've, we've seen it in the past as well, not necessarily because of permitting, but when other issues have come up, actually, when, when we've seen the economy drop, when we've seen uh, investment in uranium drop, and all of a sudden, uh, we as explorers are in danger of losing our property because we haven't spent enough money on them because we can't raise enough money. The provincial government has, has provided extensions on on that spending as well to make sure that we can hang on to our projects. So, you know, the, the government has been very, very good and very uh, observant as to the things that affect the industry and, and, and they've been pretty quick to react to give us some leeway. Okay. So, so back to the question of why don't, what are you, 46 million, something like that, just under 50 million market cap. We'll, 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 we'll go with that. Um, your, why don't why don't why didn't you raise? Are you are you struggling with permits on some of these projects of yours? Is that, no, is that what you're saying? No. Now la- last year a lot of our drilling was driven by where we had permits. That's fine. We've now got we've got Turner Lake and Red Oil now permitted up to the end of next year. So we're we're wide open on that in that front. That is not going to be a problem. Um, you know, we we had adequate money in the bank when we we were ready to raise a lot more money near the end of last year, November, but we saw the markets start to, to come off in uranium. And it was like trying to catch a falling knife there. So when we saw the price, share prices of not just us, I mean, everybody coming off and off and off, we, we reared back and we were, and, and we were actually able to uh, lean back on some uh, longtime supporters of the company. We, we did raise close to a million and a half dollars in flow through at about a 40% premium. Um, to the market rather than going out and doing a down round and, and raising a, a bigger amount of money. So, you know, we've been very careful to, to uh, you know, to, to watch how and when we raise this money to make sure that we're maximizing, um, you know, our value to our shareholders. I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. Okay. So, but, but right now you think the best use of your time and money is Osprey at Red Willow. Um, and so you can drill to the end of the year if you depends what speed you drill out there. I guess that's what I'm getting at is like, you know, are you going to burn through the money that you've got now and then look to raise in the marketplace? Or are you going to, again, because of what you're seeing in the market, the, the uranium uh, equity space, it's, it's, it's kind of flatlining at, at the, at the moment in the sense that I think since November, it's, it hasn't, it's waiting for something to happen. Yep. Right. So, it, which it seems to be coming back. Uh, you know, I hate to say in the last few weeks, but it has seems to be coming back in the last few weeks. I mean, despite um, you know our, our the the evil evil overlord uh, threatening people with uranium or with uh, nuclear reactors, but um, 
it, it does seem to be coming back. And that's what we're waiting for. We're going to be very opportunistic. We're going to have to be quick and watchful of when it makes sense to, uh, to raise money. And we, we will raise more money this year. We, you know, we intend to, but we're going to do it very oppor- opportunistically. And we, we can because we have adequate funds that nothing's going to slow us down from what we want to do. Um, but we will, we will raise money when it, when it is opportunistic for us to do so. Okay, before we get on to the evil overlord, as you called him, I want to I want to talk about your your partners Camico and Arano um, over at Hook Lake, and also um, Camico at Smart Lake. Clearly, they are busy on on lots of fronts elsewhere. Have they? And, and you guys are the man, managing and operating um, for them. But are they? Have they indicated they're going to deploy more capital this year, or are they too waiting to see what the market does? What well a little of both. Um, what what uh, what held up a drill program this year at Hook Lake was was our, our change of, of of vision in terms of, of where we wanted to focus. And and I think I've I've shown this in the past. And and what we see in terms of Patterson Lake as we're moving to the north, we're continuing to pick up mineralization of uranium along that trend, which is why we're all there. But what we now are focusing on is it's called the Carter Corridor because through our project, there's actually three corridors. Patterson's right up the middle. Um, the one called Dirksen to the east was actually the one that had the first discovery hole, if you want to call it that, um, that d- drew everybody to that area. We've since drilled back out there and, and won't be following that up. But as we look to the, to the west, there's a whole corridor that lies between what is the heat source of what mobilized all that uranium that wound up down at, at Triple R and Arrow. Um, and it's sitting between the heat source and the Patterson uh, corridor that we hold. So the focus now is to, is to spend more time on that. We did drill there about 10 years ago. It was our first drill program, and it was before anybody had found anything. And as we look at that, that, those drill results, in hindsight, we realized that this is exactly what we were starting to see at, at Spitfire again, only it was over there. We were looking for... Um, we were not looking for basement hosted deposits. We were looking for unconformity deposits. Um, and once everything lit up over at Patterson, we all moved over there. So having said that, we're going back. But as I said before, our, our partners do pace us. And before we start spending money on drill program, uh, we will be doing more geophysical work and deep sensing uh, geophysical work over that area. We're doing some f- flight lines this year. And, and from that, we will be developing our, our next drill program. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Don't you think it's about, t- about time some of these um, Athabasca plays just get rolled up into one vehicle? There's lots of small companies with small projects advancing Well, you know, it, it's my, <laughs> it, it had to be, well, it was quite a while ago. And I remember sitting in front of, of uh, uh, fund two brothers actually. And, and the one looked at me and says, why aren't you guys just rolling yourselves all up? Like there's so many of you. And, and his brother looked over and said, because if you take two $50 million companies, exploration companies, and put them together, you get one $50 million exploration company. So that's, that's really a lot of, the, a lot of the, uh, the holdback. So, I mean, what makes more sense and what will probably make more sense in our case is to start to bring in partners to help advance these projects, right? I mean, we've, you know, what we're doing now in terms of drilling these projects and prioritizing prioritizing them is demonstrating that there, there is value there and there is a lot of work to be done. And to the extent that some of these newer companies want to come in, have access to capital and, and want to advance and earn in on some of these projects, we'll certainly be looking at that as well as a way to, to move the, the whole flotilla forward. I, I like that. 
two fifty million dollar companies become one fifty million dollar company. It makes you think, doesn't it? Does make you think. Um, should we talk? Should we talk a little bit geopolitics? Um, Russia, Ukraine. There've been there've been a few um, quite alarmist moments about whether or not Chernobyl is is uh, no, Chernobyl two. Chernobyl. Well, Chernobyl one, um, and then and then obviously the the other uh, nuclear power station whose name I will not butcher by trying to pronounce it. Um, so people, people are a little bit nervous about what that could mean. You know, is it another black swan moment? Turned out not to be, um, mm. but it didn't stop the thing. It gives you a sense of what's in the back of people's minds um, when it comes to uranium and, and nuclear. So um, yeah. h- how are you reading that whole situation, what it does for the uranium uh, space? Of- well, it, it, it's always been a challenge in this industry because it, it's too easy to make really exciting news about a nuclear reactor. Um, it, it's just too easy. I mean, look at, look at, uh, you know, Fukushima, you know, after that disastrous tsunami, almost within days, the, the whole focus was on the, was on the power plant and not on <laughs> the amazing amount of devastation that had been created around it. Um, because it's just better news, uh, as far as what's going on in, in, uh, in uh, Ukraine right now, and particularly around the power plants. I mean, people, again, people don't realize that you could, you could run a jet into the side of that reactor and it's, it's been built to withstand that. I mean, that's, that's the point. You start a fire outside and it's not going to, uh, you, you haven't got a, a new uh, environmental disaster on your hands, but it, it does make good news. That, that doesn't mean that, you know, perception is not reality when it comes to what we do and, and, and the equities and the like. But um, I certainly, you know, I, it seems to have calmed down. There, were, there was some initial reaction around, certainly around that reactor and being taken over and Chernobyl being taken over. But in the grand scheme of things, um, I, you know, I, I don't see it being a long lasting uh, issue. Certainly Russia has more effective nuclear reactions <laughs> to, to undertake other than uh, trying to, to use a, a reactor as a problem. Right. Okay. So that, that was the sensationalist component to that. But they, what about the kind of Russia more broadly in the, in the region? Obviously, we saw them recently coming to the, the aid yeah. of the Kazakhs. You know, again, Kazakhs. We've, we've, always, we've always talked about, about you know, the need for, you know, when are we going to start seeing contracts coming back again? And, and all of these things, such as the unrest in Kazakhstan, the unrest now in Russia, all of these things are, are driving back to the utilities that they have to get surety supply. We've got to get contracts in place. Nobody's going to sign a $30, you know, uranium, a pound uranium contract anymore. Uh, and that's what I see happening. I mean, you look in the United, the United States gets half of their uranium from Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, and Russia. Um, and, and the more you know, problematic things become, that means utilities have to start looking elsewhere to make sure that they're, they're shoring up their supply. And, and that alone will, will, will get proper contracts moving. And, and on top of that, the fact that, that Cameco has already signaled the fact, and they've got more visibility in this than, than any of us, that, that yes, we are in a, in a contracting cycle. And, and uh, this is happening behind, behind the scenes. I mean, 60% of the uranium that's sold is under, is under contracts, off-market contracts that we never see. So obviously they, they, they see that, that action going on. So all of these things I think are, you know, although the, the, the markets may react immediately to it because they're not sure is that a good thing or a bad thing or what just happened. I think, I think overall what we're seeing, all of these little things are gathering up steam 
to ensure that contracts will now go back to where they should be in terms of being written uh, if five, 10 years out, uh, proper pricing. And, and I think it's, it's, it's just getting us faster towards a, a place where we're going to see rising uranium prices. I mean, do you, think, do you think that it's just a case of moving the pieces around on the board game in the sense that Russia, Kazakhstan, who've already got a, an agreement to, to um, feed into the Chinese system, um, it's really a case of East versus West again when it comes to energy security and, and in relation to uranium and nuclear well, well, we, we, it ha- again, it has to be visible, like right. We the market can only react to what it can see, and like I say, most of these contracts are, are off market, so you don't really see what's going on. And I think all, yes, you're right. You know, we, we're shuffling the same deck chairs around half the time, uh, but in this case, I think it's forcing a lot of these contracts out into the light. Um, uranium, do, you know, the U.S. does have 25 percent of the world's reactors. They they're using most of the uranium, and uh, and they produce very little of it domestically. And, and they're not going to increase that domestic production overnight. Therefore, they're going to have to start buying elsewhere, you know, on and on. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's rattling the, the deck chairs and moving them around. But I think it's making a lot more visible to the markets as to where this price and getting the price back up to where it should be. Well, pr- price is one thing, but actual physical supply is another. I'm sorry, you mentioned, you know, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Russia, you know, they are 60% of the market in terms of producers, right? And if if those guys go east to China, there's not a bunch of pr- producers left in the, in the West, in the sense other than you know, near-term developers in, say, Africa, and maybe some pressure is exerted on Canadian um, mm-hmm. produ- uh, you know, developers and explorers because it, it certainly does shine the back the light back onto Canada because Canada is, you know, it, it's we're we're somewhat neutral in all in a lot of this stuff. We are we're open for business. We're the we're the easiest jurisdiction in the planet to 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 mine in, and we, you know we've demonstrated before that we've got more uranium than we know what to do with. So uh, yeah, I think I think there will be a lot of of of, uh, of of effort towards increasing production in the U.S. However, you know it that's going to be a tough pull. To, they they certainly can't. Uh, it's a lot of money, and they can't uh, they can't move it fast enough. We can. We've got the reserves in Canada. We've got you know we we've we've got this big warehouse of stuff. We just have to keep looking. So I think I think more than ever. Um, you know, Canada, Saskatchewan is going to be the, you know, where the spotlight shines as, as the safest, best, most secure place to, to buy uranium. If you can get those permits. If we can get those damn permits, yeah. We got ours. We got ours. 